0: FOREVER! DOG! Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx! a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6, a published author and a star of two films that were released. And you know what? People did watch them. Give it up for the bitch who came after me, Bianca Del Rio. Hello. Oh, Yonkers.
1: Hello, how are you? What a lovely introduction.
0: <laughs> I always try to match the introduction to the
1: person I'm introducing. Well, so. it seems very fitting, and I think we could start off by saying the bitch after you. I enjoy because we, as we know now, with our 52nd season of Drag Race, the best <laughs> seasons were four, five, and six.
0: It really was a. It was the trifecta, you without know? a doubt. Um, I really. I always like kind of brag about the fact that like, yeah, you know, Bianca, the queen who, the winner of the winners, uh, I did hand her the (laughs) the scepter,
1: you know? Yes, you did (laughs) hand me the scepter, yes. And it was, I mean, it's weird because I don't know for you, I was never a huge fan of the show. Like I wasn't crazy about it, but I'm really bad with uh, new things on television. For instance, Everybody Loved Glee. I hated it because everybody loved it. I never Mm. watched an episode, but I just hated it because they loved it. So Drag Race really wasn't on my radar in the beginning, and it wasn't until I saw a marathon that Logo was airing where they did four and five. And I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of fabulous. And there was two great stories. You and Sharon had amazing stories, completely different, talented, fun individuals. And I thought... Oh, why not? Why not try this?
0: I'm sitting here thinking, like, Bianca Del Rio, a contrarian? Who knew? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I have a similar... I was already working as a professional drag queen when it started airing, mm-hmm. and all my friends were getting really into it, and I was like, the last thing I want to do when I get home from my bar gig right. is watch more drag queens on TV. But season two, when I saw Pandora do... um, um. Carol Channing I was mm-hmm. like oh there's room for there's
1: room for us grand dames you know us I think, well, <laughs> antiquated <when> I, beauties <laughs> well when I went back and then I just I even because you know living in New York at the time I saw many of my untalented friends get a get a bite of, <laughs> of the world like Manila who's completely useless and here she was here she was on TV and I was like well if this stupid cunt can do it I can so that was that I mean <laughs> think about it Manila and Jiggly these were the options from New, New York before I came No, I love them, but they're rotted. Let's be honest. (laughs) They'll tell you they're rotted. They know they're rotted. Um, So that was our New York representation prior to that. So it was just this moment of like, oh, why not try? And I was 37. So I thought, you know, I could wrap up drag at 40, as you were saying, you know, doing the bar gigs and schlepping in New York. I thought that's enough. I could wrap it up at 40 and be happy, you know, Mm -hmm. and look what happened. It's crazy.
0: I... um. You know, you are of the ilk. <laughs> you are very good friends with many of the legends who made it as big as drag queens could make it before there was a TV show oh, dedicated to drag. How do you find, do you feel
1: supported by your sisters from the, from the old guard of drag? Well, <laughs> I think it, I think, The world is so different now with social media, as you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and a lot of people can become famous. Look, we know who Kim Kardashian is from getting fucked on a videotape. (laughs) You know, we can say she has no talent, but we can also not deny her uh, popularity or her money. I mean, obviously, someone likes her and someone gets it. But I like to remind the new crowd about the old girls because there Mm -hmm. is something pretty amazing about a Lady Bunny a Jackie Bede a a Coco Peru a Varla Jean Merman that you know Sherry Vine that had worked all these years and they're still working now you know and I wish that uh, drag queens understood what they're doing as far as they find um, their niche whatever it may be their characters and they stick to it you know, mm-hmm. there's a show there. They all do successful one-woman shows and they're entertaining. They're not just pretty in a picture. Well, let's face it, none of them are pretty in a picture. <laughs> but in the end, you're like, oh, this is, to, to me, that's what drag was. And it's yeah. not to say what th- what's happening now is not drag, but I mean, there was substance to it. So I cater to that. I run to that. I go see the show, Dina Martina. I mean, all of them. It's just, there's something about each one and they're all friends, you mm-hmm. know? And, mm-hmm. and that I respect, much, much, much respect for those girls. Do
0: you find that drag is heading in a good direction? Do you see this as a mark of progress that we're getting to see all these different types of drag being represented that aren't necessarily as performance-based as the old guard of drag.
1: How, what what are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's. I think you know it's good and bad with all of it. It's amazing mm. that it's in people's living rooms. It's amazing that there's nine hundred thousand opportunities for drag queens on television. But there's also the bad, the social media. Everybody's got an opinion. You're constantly compared to someone else. Mm-hmm. Or when someone will say, you know, if if Sherry Vine does a video and they go, oh my god, that's so Alaska. It's like that's the last thing you want to hear when you've <laughs> done drag for twenty five years is be compared to some little dirty Q tip named Alaska. <laughs> It's like, girl, but they don't know. People just don't know. So I think um I think it's great that there's exposure, but I think there's a lot of shit with it too, you know? I think that's just the double-edged sword yeah. of
0: where we are at with entertainment right now. That there can be reality, there can be reality TV shows that direct you mm-hmm. to drag. And you yes. start out loving drag through drag race, and if you really love drag, then you go and find mm-hmm. all the other drag that's out there and you learn about the history and you learn the context and stuff, and then some people are happy just staying, you know, with a drag race education. But I think what you said that I really, really resonates with me is that you know, it's drag on television. Yeah, like it, the worst episode of Drag Race is still one of the best hours of TV. You're going
1: to see. without a doubt. You no, know? no, and I think that I, I also found myself recently because I just did a group tour with a bunch of queens, and I oh, done, did you? Now? Yes, and I hadn't done that in a while, and it was interesting because. I've learned that there are people that are performers and there's people that are reality stars. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge difference. I think rarely is there that one person that can cross over to the two where there's substance outside of the idea of them. But you know, as well as I do, I mean, you were much younger than me when you did the show, That the the business of it, the people, the fandom can totally make you fucking crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think a lot of these people believe that they're stars. And I go, what have you done? <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> please. Like, you know, I don't understand that, the word legend, the word icon, the word this is used far too freely nowadays because these people are useless. And they think (laughs) that there's something like, you have done nothing. You've done nothing. You lasted three episodes on a reality show. Kudos, people know your name. But to me, I just find it it robs people that are authentically talented, people that have paved the way, people that have worked their asses off. Uh, But what you're talking about applies to drag.
0: But it applies to the industry.
1: Oh, period. in general, completely. You know,
0: because there are so many talented performers out there who are lesser known. Yes. Than you know, someone who uh, uh, fucking became a meme, and yeah. you know, <laughs> and those people are great too. I love that there's room for everyone. But uh, yeah, of course, I'm drawn to people with talent outside of a catchphrase, outside without a doubt, of just being a, a kooky personality.
1: I know? just think that sometimes that I without. I mean, without knowing the history of drag in, in general, uh, that a lot of people are missing out on what is there, you know? I mean, a lot of the queens now that are on the show have no idea what it's like to work in a bar for $50, have no idea. I mean, I back in my day, you had to print out flyers like P-Town and pass them out at the bar. There was no phones, you know? You had to actually meet your friends at 10 p.m. I mean, I was doing a show in New Orleans on Monday nights at two in the morning. Yeah. Two in the morning on a Monday night! Like, what the fuck? I, I
0: feel both ways about it because I feel like my time Crawling on my hands and knees in the diviest dive bars, kinky bitch. You know? <laughs> and you know, many numbers involved me on my knees. You mm-hmm. know, um, I I started drag at fifteen. I was working in bars, starting at about like seventeen, lying about my age, working yeah. in bars, and I could work in the bars as an eighteen-year-old because um, you
1: looked old. Yeah, because yes. I
0: always looked old. Yeah. I always no one ever carded me in drag. You know, because yeah. they're always like, "This old lady clearly belongs here." <laughs> <laughs> And I really value that education that Mm -hmm. I had of having to really like work my ass off to get paid 40 bucks a night and and collect those tips and, and and get the next gig and go from gig to gig to gig. But then I also think it is a mark of progress that maybe now, because we also know that some of those gay bars are very toxic, horrible oh, environments. without a doubt. Like, I don't necessarily want every young queen to have to go through some of the experiences I had, um, deal with some of the people I had to deal with. And at the same time, like... I, I want them to receive that education somewhere. Yeah. You know, having to fight for yourself um, before there was a TV show that kind of like had a formula set up for you. I think that's a valuable education
1: without a doubt. And I think that it gives me great appreciation. And I know this is going to sound grand on some level, but when you're when you work in a bar on a Monday night at two o'clock in the morning and there's 30 people. Uh, or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me a great appreciation when I am at Carnegie Hall or when I am in Wimbledon Arena with 12,000 people. Absolutely. I, st- I still know that I'm a lucky fucker, but I also <laughs> know I can appreciate it so much more because I've been on the opposite end of it. Yeah. And I know that it can go away at any minute. And, you know, it's not always guaranteed. So I'm always fascinated by the attitudes and the grandness when they've accomplished nothing. So that to me, (laughs) I go, girl, like, you know, you must really love yourself. Uh, And I don't, so that's why I think I just come from a different place. So I, I am appreciative of all those moments and all those shitty times led to the good ones. And with the context of all of this,
0: would you say yourself are you the winner of the winners are you the best winner
1: of all time no i don't i think that's where i think that's where people i think go wrong i i had this conversation you know asia o'hara uh she was on this tour with me and she sat down and she said what moment do you think in in your life post drag race do you think that you actually made it and then she starts to tell me about a moment that she felt that she made it and i looked at her and said I don't think I felt that. I don't feel that. I, if, I think if you do say, well, I felt I meant... Then you're just fucking yourself. I have no concept of that. And I think with Drag Race in particular, everybody was chosen for a different reason. Mm-hmm. That particular season amongst those people, that's just what worked out for mm-hmm. the show. So I don't know. I, I I wouldn't compare myself to you and I wouldn't compete with you. I wouldn't do the same with Sharon. I mean, it's all special for different reasons. I mean, Bibi Zahara, useless. But the rest... <laughs> I mean, you know, she did that song about a banjo. I don't get it. I anyway, loved that. Song. Oh, oh, catchy, but there's a banjo. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, um, but that's a different. So no, I don't think that. I think that people, that people that like me like you. People that hate you hate me. You know, it's yeah. it's it's you just don't know.
0: I made peace with the fact that you know I had my moment of like it 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 was not the easiest thing mm-hmm. to feel like the grand supreme. And of course, you know, my season was happening at the same time as American Horror Story Coven, so it was hard not to compare myself to <laughs> Jessica Lang, you know? Oh, of course. I guess I was more of a Sarah Paulson, you yeah, know, yeah, less yeah. of a, I guess Sharon was more the, the Jessica Lang <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I was the Sarah Paulson. But you know, it is, um, it does kind of fuck with your self-esteem a little bit. When you crown the next winner, period. Yeah. You know, because you are told for like a year, you're
1: you're the grand high supreme. Wait, but you remember we had a year in between our seasons. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like we're every five seconds is a new season in a new country. So it's it's even interesting to see how that's changed so much. I mean, we had time. I remember vividly it was because Brandon Voss used to hire me to host the uh, finale parties, mm-hmm. and all of you guys came to New York for your season. We were there and. The day that we did it, I was hosting with Michelle Visage, who I did not know. Um, We had met once, twice before, but I did not know her. And that was the day I found out that I was gonna be on Drag Race. I found out that day that I was leaving the Thursday after to go film Drag Race. And Mm. at the end of the night, they're crowning you. You're there, you're crying. There's like, I think Randy and Fenton, Michelle Visage, you, the other girls and there's a big check. And I remember standing in the back going, I got to get out of this picture because <laughs> this is not going to look good next season. If I'm on the show, they're going to go, oh, conspiracy. This yeah. is all. So I was like inching my way out of the photo going, I don't want to be here. But I was so excited that I was going on the show. And after seeing you win, I went, OK, so they do like theatrical people. They do like people that are fun. You know, Um, that was good. I mean, that was the great thing about Sharon and your season is that, you know, you weren't the typical Drag performer, you know, that it is mm-hmm. now. Now it's a little different, I think.
0: I, 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 yeah, I, I never felt ready to go on drag race until I was like, oh, there's some queens I could go on and have a similar experience mm-hmm. because I do something kind of similar. But latrice always says and i think this mantra is brilliant is there's just room for everyone yeah you know there's room for everyone that and that goes for producers too sure. you know like when producers are fighting over like exclusivity and like you can't work with them and oh, work God. with me and blah blah, blah 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 it's like there's enough to go around of course no one's having a shortage like i know there's we all know there's a day that the bubble might pop and we all might go back to gigging in bars and let's count our blessings now. But, um, well, I mean, I think
1: with this COVID situation, it's definitely pushed a huge reset, you know, for all of us like doing podcasts or doing everything from home, we've gotten so comfortable with it. I mean, I put on a pair of shoes to do this tour girl, (laughs) Corona feet, my feet were like, (gasps) Oh, But we were in them every night. You were someplace else. So I think that there's a huge reset for all of us. And I think what's amazing is obviously drag is on TV, on every channel, every hour of the day for everyone to watch. But it'll be interesting to see how it transcends when we go back to our regularly scheduled lives. You know, I think everybody being trapped at home is looking for any form of entertainment. You know,
0: it really has. You know, I was worried that podcasts might be done. Yeah. You know, and then COVID happened and you're right like we're hungry for any f- form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. People who can adjust, yes, have found a way. Um some people have Freaking thrived in this environment. Yeah, you know. Completely. I know my introverted side is like, oh my God, there's a day that I'm gonna have to go back to like I miss being on a stage in front of an audience more than anything. Yeah. But then I also think, like, oh my God, I have to go back into those situations yeah. where I'm like everyone's looking at
1: me. Well, yeah, I mean <laughs> I was just on this tour where there was fucking cars, cars. cars. <laughs> I mean, the shit I say, someone can just run me over. Like it was tempting, I'm sure. But I was like, okay, it's fun to be back on stage, but I thought, what the fuck? There's cars here. This is completely weird. There was, you know, no one, you couldn't hear laughter. You couldn't see people because they were in a vehicle. Yeah. So it was it was weird. So I just decided to just, you know, rotate their tires and change their oil <laughs> while they were parked up
0: there because what else are you going to do? Was it a fun challenge to adapt to performing for cars? It was... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I'm thinking of cars from the like Pixar movie. No, like you're no, performing well, for an audience of talking sentient cars. It's not
1: the case. No, I literally was like I, I had taken a photo, I was at Carnegie Hall, which was lovely, and then I, I took a picture in the parking lot and I said, This is exactly <laughs> what I fucking deserve. I mean, this is it. No, it was nice to get out of my house. It was nice to put your toe in the water, you know? It was nice to remind me of like, okay, this is what we do it for. And to be very honest, much as I give them shit. The girls were great. You know, mm-hmm. they were a lot of fun um, to work with. Oh, man, I had a separate dressing room. But uh, <laughs> but in it, you go, you know, it, it's, it's, it was nice just to be on the road and doing something yeah. outside of going to the grocery store or up the street, which is what I've been doing. Watching your dogs.
0: Yes. The drama play out. Just <laughs> I've got three cats and that's been my ongoing soap opera. See, there so. you go. <laughs>
1: yeah. You find out more about your pets. It's wild.
0: <laughs> they find out too much about you. Yeah, they hate me. <laughs> Speaking of adapting to quarantine and COVID, you've got a podcast now as well.
1: How is that going for you? It's wild. These people from Starburns Audio had been after me for like four years. Like we want to do a podcast. And as you know, when you're traveling and I am not tech savvy because I'm grandma when it comes to everything. They were like, we want to do it. I'm like, well, I don't know where I'm going to be. You know how it is with travel. Sometimes, you know, flights have changed. You can't even dedicate a certain day. Also, I like to do a lot of shows in a row. I will do at least five in a different city every night in a row. So it was very hard to try to figure it out. So Mm -hmm. here it is a year into COVID. I'm like. Okay, well maybe I should do something. Um so that's when I said yes and I started. It's just it's 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 nice, I guess, because a you don't have to get in drag, so it's not that stress. And I get to talk to people that I like and respect, which is amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely feeling that with this podcast, you know. I was
0: really honored when Alaska and Willem and Dipper and Will and everyone working on these podcasts, you know, said, We just wanna connect you with people you're inspired by and just have conversations. And I'm like, that sounds like a dream. What's the catch? But so far it's no catch. Isn't that
1: crazy? (laughs) I know. And I mean, I'm like, wow, this is good.
0: Now, I think diehard Bianca fans know that kind of simultaneously with your drag career in New York, you also worked as a a costumer for Broadway. And we were talking a little bit about this. Um, You know, what are some of your favorite moments I have a favorite story you told me, oh, if you God. don't mind retelling me. I don't know which one it is. It was of Elaine Stritch oh, oh, coming yeah. into oh, the God. costume it's shop. It's the best, yeah.
1: Um,
0: and the collar. Yeah, so, so why don't you tell that we're,
1: story? It's genius because here was this place, uh, the first place I worked at was Barbara Matera, and you wouldn't know the name, but they created, I mean, literally every fucking Broadway show from West Side Story on. I mean, they did everything. Um, and so I was lucky enough to get to work there, and Elaine Stritch, who I love, and, and I mean, who doesn't love Elaine Stritch, um, was coming in to do to have some of her personal clothes altered. Now, Elaine Stritch lives in an alternate world. She really did because she lived at the Carlisle, which is one of the most expensive hotels there is. And from what I was told, didn't even pay rent at this hotel in Manhattan. And the deal was that she would have to do two shows a year. That's her deal. So Mm -hmm. she also had a husband that she was married to for many years that uh, had English muffin company. Mm -hmm. So for holidays, we would get a pallet of fucking English muffins (laughs) that she would deliver to all of us at the costume shop. So her deal being old school was that she would bring in her personal clothes and it would get altered, you know, and that's just Delane. (laughs) So she'd come in with all that school mom drag, black, white, gray, navy blue cream, uh, and it would all be laid out. And so this one particular time she came in with like 11 different outfits. And she's doing a benefit at Lincoln Center with Barbara Cook. So she's there and she brings in all the clothes. And now I am trying to get, we had this old school, I always think single white female. We had one of those old elevators that had the chain bars that you had to basically get into the box, pull the chain, then get out and close it and whatever. So I am getting off the elevator. She's brought in 11 different things that need to be altered. My boss is at the desk. She's in the doorway with her assistant. Now I can't get in because she's in the doorway. And he says, Elaine, these are 11 outfits. Who is going to pay for this? She goes, send the bill to Lincoln Center. And he's like, Elaine, you're doing a benefit with Barbara Cook. You can't wear 11 outfits. Send the bill to Lincoln Center. And he's like, okay, Elaine, yes, we will get this taken care of. She goes, cut the fuck shit and send the bill to Lincoln Center. Coming out, she sees me, hiya kid, gets into the elevator. I go in, he calls Lincoln Center. They said, let's pay the bill. It's easier to pay the bill than to argue with Elaine Stritch, which is genius when you think about it. But she also had a series of white shirts that were made for her that we used to make at the shop. Basic white shirts she could have bought. She would bring them in and on the collar when it had makeup on it, we would have to remove the collar and then put the dirt on the outside where the collar would roll over. <laughs> In that fucking
0: wild. I, I think it's frugal. It is.
1: But not at $50 an hour at a Broadway costume shop. She would bring in her bras and we would replace everything but the cup. Like literally everything. So that was Elaine. I loved every minute of her. She was the best. I mean, wild. She even one day, the first day I met her, my because I was excited she was coming in. My boss at the time said, All right, you can come into the fitting. Now Elaine is crazy. And I'm like, I know who she is. I was excited. I got into the room, she's completely naked, and she's standing well, like a little nude bra and nude panties. Uh, not naked, naked. And she's standing in front of a three-way mirror. So there's like four of her looking at me. <laughs> and crotchety as can be, I was living at the moment. She goes, they go, this is Roy, my new assistant. Hi, Roy. Uh, I was like, hi. She goes, where are you from? I said, I'm from New Orleans. She goes, oh, I love New Orleans. Dead silence for like two minutes. I'm like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? And she goes, I had my best drink in New Orleans. I go, okay, she's back with me. Okay, she's back. Um, I had a best drink with me. I was there with my friend George. Um, George and uh, someone else. I can't remember who the hell it was. I'm like, oh, okay. It gets quiet. Mm -hmm. Real quiet for another minute. I go, so did you like New Orleans? Oh, I love New Orleans. Oh, oh, I remember who it was. And wait, now the name escapes me, but I was cackling. She goes, George was her friend and it was Tennessee Williams. That was the one she forgot, Tennessee Williams. And I'm like, how did you forget Tennessee Williams? And I'm just thinking of (laughs) Elaine Stritch, Tennessee Williams, drinking in New Orleans, (laughs) but she remembers her friend George. It was George and mm, I can't remember who else it was. Tennessee Williams. I'm like, (laughs) motherfucker.
0: Like how old are you when you could forget Tennessee Williams? Talk about you know the old guard of of the entertainment industry. I mean, she did everything. She did everything. I I listened to her um, at Liberty concert constantly. It inspires me all the time. Yes, Um, it inspired me um, to examine my own relationship to alcohol because she has been through it. She's very candid about that. And then I also just love this like. She Her documentary, she's like, I don't drink anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Wink, I'll wink. have
0: one Cosmopolitan. <laughs> yes, I love it. I can't have more than one because I'm a diabetic. Just oh, the one, oh, but no ice. <laughs> Make sure there's no ice. Don't interrupt yeah, me.
1: Yeah, yeah, don't take a valuable <laughs> alcohol space with ice. No, I want it to hit me hard if I only get one. You have worked
0: with... um. You've worked with, you've worked alongside some really amazing people: yep. Joan Rivers, Rachel Dratch, Bob yeah. Hope, Don Rickles, Fanny <laughs> <You> Bryce, <know.
1: laughs> Charlie Chaplin. Marcel I was Fanny Marceau. Bryce's <laughs> understudy. I was the one who gave Charlie Chaplin that makeup. No, um, no, it's it, what was so great about that was because I was a huge fan, like you are, of Broadway and, and mm-hmm. old Hollywood or, or anybody that has been a hoofer or a gypsy or a performer. So when you're working at the shop. You know, uh, everybody came through, you know, Angela Lansbury was one that I was like, oh, my God, she was like the sweetest and loveliest little grandmother thing, you know. And then you've got people like Cheetah Rivera, who's just unbelievable, you know, like to be in the co- Sutton Foster was like the loveliest thing. And she was so young at the time because we did um Drowsy Chaperones. That's her little red coat at the <laughs> end of um show off. But. She Was lovely too, and it was just like that thing where I was a kid enjoying and I loved my job, it was just the best it was. And then the company went down, <laughs> so but well, you know, I mean, and you bring up a great thing is the
0: biggest stars, you know, like Elaine sounds gruff, yes. but it doesn't sound like she was needlessly cruel, it doesn't no, sound she like she sent us English us. muffins,
1: <laughs> she was, but also. What you see is what you get with Mm -hmm. Elaine Stritch, you know? I mean, I don't think anybody would go, oh, she's a bitch. No, it's just who Elaine was. I think, especially with drag, some of the
0: people we idolize, um, there can be this notion that to be a true star, to be the true diva you have to walk in... And, and systematically degrade people in mm-hmm. the room so yes. that you're the top dog. But really, the people with the most longevity in this business are the people that people want to work with. People, people skills. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and those, that was the amazing thing. When we were at the shop, I think that I was not there for it, but uh, the horror story was one of the worst people ever was Raquel Welch. And you go... Of all people, Raquel Welch, no fucking talent, but she's impossible. So, yeah, that's kind of wild to think about. Because she had gone in and done uh, Victor Victoria. She was replacing Julie Andrews and uh, after Liza did it. And so she had gone in and they said she was just a nightmare. And I'm going, who the fuck cares about Raquel Welch? like... Who why is she fussing? Be happy you have a job, Raquel. I mean, she makes cute wigs, she but other than that, rest. I'm like, Raquel, Raquel. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 blows my mind. You know, when your bullshit outweighs your talent, I find that to be yeah. repulsive. <laughs>
0: I, I I think it goes without saying that you as an entertainer you get on stage you say what's on your mind Yes. Um, I'm very curious you know I have been to a handful of Bianca Tolia shows I find <laughs> you that was very, <laughs> I find you the very most entertaining backstage in the dressing room when we're just cackling, cackling up. cracking each other up I've seen you do your Betty Davis impression <laughs> countless times love it I wonder, you know, a lot of stand-up comedians I think and let's, you know, you are a drag queen but you are also a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, you are equally that to being a drag queen. I am very fascinated with um how comedy is going to evolve as we as a society are starting to shift to more consciousness, more mindfulness. Yeah. Um where do you find the balance between maintaining the brand that you've built for yourself But also, you know, like acknowledging, you know, what's going on in the world.
1: I think it's a tricky it's a tricky world we live in now. And I'm obviously I was a huge Joan Rivers fan, Don Rickles fan. Um, And, you know, they cross many lines. Uh, Also, the joke being themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think I've come to terms with the fact that. Um, for instance, doing this drive and drag tour, it wasn't my tour. We are outdoors. There's other people there. To, there's other there's people there to see other queens, which can get very, very tricky as far as material is concerned. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm doing something in a theater, and you know those people come, they know what they're getting into. They know that I'm a rotted person. They know what it is um so it's almost like a safe space and i think most comedians will say that one of the reasons why we don't like to film stuff because things taken out of context if there's no there's no nothing there is no context anymore mm-hmm. so what happens is if someone takes a clip and bianca says this and then it, there's no explanation or what the setup was or what it's about then people just jump to all conclusions and then it becomes problem i think um my age has helped me because i'm not a people pleaser i, I can't cater to the people of social media because I don't care because that's not my audience. Mm-hmm. And I think self-awareness is very important they're going look, this is what I do. It may not be for you and that's okay. I'm not trying to win people over which is where they also you know with this fandom of drag race they put you on this pedestal no drag queen belongs on a pedestal every (laughs) drag queen i know is rotted and all the ones who claim claim to be so sweet are worse than me i could show you texts from nina west i could show you texts from fendula crown i can from you i could show you the rot um i'm just not afraid to say it on stage. And i just go, this is what, this is just how I think and what I do. It's not for everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's helped me. But I think if I grew up with social media or grew up with the burden of feeling though, I need to be liked by everyone. It would really fuck with my head.
0: Yeah. You, you know, I think, no, I think that that's a really poignant statement that the, you know, like you are, like I said, of a of a before time of drag yeah. you are of the old guard and i've i've really just you know enjoyed watching the way you've navigated the audience that drag race has brought into your life versus the audience you're used to and the sure. audience and and i do for lack of audience <laughs> i mean for many years <laughs> i do think there is a thing and i I've, I've said this um having been someone who's done roast tours yeah which a roast kind of seems at its core contradictory to the message I put forth as a sure. performer. You know, I'm a very like, uh, uh, I'm the butt of my own jokes. Yeah. I'm very like, let's celebrate our differences. Let's let's lift people up. And then I go on a roast where I'm systematically tearing down my, my best friends yeah. and sisters. And, and you're rotted right <laughs> and
1: you're perfect for it. That's the good thing.
0: Um, but there is this, you know, when you go into that audience... The act of buying the ticket, knowing Mm -hmm. that you're going to see a roast, knowing the history of roasts, that is a, uh, a layer of mutual consent between the performers and the audience. Yes. And when someone takes out their phone... And then puts it on the internet. Yeah. They're removing that layer of giving the person the opportunity to say, "This is not for me." You yeah, know? or
1: context. The, mm-hmm. Where is the you know where is the context line into this? It's like they. It's the aha, I got you moment. They always want to go. Well, I got her this is what she did. She's not perfect. And you go, well, first of all, I shouldn't be on a pedestal. You know, I'm a man in a fucking wig. I'm not curing cancer. I mean, I'm not a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Like, what planet are you on that you're thinking that drag queens are special and fabulous? It's like, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So I think that That layer of um, because I did a reality show and you think you know me and you think that you have some rights to me and tell me what I should be doing. No, that that, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I think this kind of goes for both of us,
0: is that because of going on a reality TV show, which is about drag, Mm -hmm. but really you spend... In many hard. cases, more time getting to know the artist who creates the drag. Correct. So i I felt um, on my season, you really got to know Jared Coffer the artist more than you got to know Jinx Monsoon the character. Correct. And that caused difficulty for me for a while because people would come to my shows after watching Drag Race thinking what they were going to see was an hour-long inspirational speech. Oh, or
1: just you sleeping. just me sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, an hour and a half of her An hour hour and a half of um, Water Off a Duck's Back. Yeah, yeah, a kumbaya. I love everyone. (laughs) Drag Race is amazing. Everybody say love. Well, that's not it. That's not all there is to it. No. And
0: my shows, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't hold back any language. Right. I'm I'm very sex positive. That leads to me telling a lot of really filthy stories. That yes, no one expected, and I kind of had to work against my edit for a few years before people knew what to expect from my shows versus what to expect from me at the meet and greet. Because they still get to meet the person on drag race at the meet and greet. Yeah. I'm not that you know, I'm not that foul mouthed, you know, boozy slut at the meet
1: and greet. That's what I play on stage. Unless unless they play extra these
0: days.
1: I totally agree. I mean, that's always what I hear is that the people say, "Oh my God, you're so much nicer in person than I expected you to be." I'm like, "You paid extra to meet my tired ass. How the <laughs> hell am I going to be rude to you now? <laughs> I can't. You're right here. You know, so it, it is a different it, it is a different dynamic. I, like I said, you know, if your bullshit outweighs your talent, but you if you are a, a bitch and a troll on stage, you've got to be the opposite off stage. You know,
0: let them. You know, because they do fall in love with you, the person. Um, simultaneously, as falling in love with the, the the drag that you create. Totally. So you do want to find ways to give them a little bit of both, but it is like don't don't come to my show expecting me to be in confessional mode. Oh God, no! Right, right. You know, like I script my shows. I one time had a. I one time had a critic um, say, my shows seem too scripted. And I'm like, well, that's because that they're show? scripted. Yeah, that's a show. Like, yeah. uh, I, have, uh, I guess this is your first show. Yeah. <laughs> you <know?
1: laughs> and it's not all scripted. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll
0: call a, a person out in the audience. Yeah. You know, on but there's their, a on
1: format and yeah. a structure, you would hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, I totally agree. I was told I was not a drag queen. I really wasn't a real drag queen because I didn't lip sync. Now, what the fuck? Now, now also... At the time, Drag Race, the point was not to lip sync because mm-hmm. the men mm-hmm. you were in the bottom. So it, it, it's so confusing. Now it's a different game. But that's where the experts come in on drag in general, which mm-hmm. makes me cackle when they have an opinion or a thought or a review. And I go, fuck yourself.
0: Well, <laughs> I always say all opinions are valid. Not all opinions are equal. There you go. I could have a funky mole on my back and uh-huh. I could go ask the maitre d' at the hotel, does this mole look cancerous to you? And they can have an opinion on it. That doesn't mean. This analogy
1: is killing me. At all. You're finally addressing that mole. Okay. I'm not concerned with the mole. I'm concerned with the hair coming out of
0: it. Oh, shit. That's attached. (laughs) Um, Now, speaking of drag race, your time on drag race. Yes. um,
1: After you, after after you won. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. uh, You know, I think another thing we have in common that we're both common. is that, you know, certainly I did not win based on my fashion, you oh.
1: know? Oh, I won for my beauty, honey. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> and you, you know, you, you're you the first one to make the joke that you wore the same dress oh, yeah. down that runway every time and you won, you know? And, and I think that's because you're runway wasn't what you were bringing to the competition correct it was flawless no you know, but, but the you... one silhouette was flawless and looks lovely on you but
1: i also had a week and a half before i left which is one of the re- it's one of the things that i try to talk to people about that makes me cackle because it wasn't until we were done with the show because you and i both discussed how fearful we were about doing anything wrong before we actually got on set mm-hmm. like following the rules five bags under 50 pounds you know all of that fuckery Don't bring your computer to all that shit that you're not supposed to do. So I had a week and a half. It wasn't until after filming that I was found out from the other girls that they were like a month, a month and a half, six Mm. weeks. I was like, so I don't know if somebody, I don't know if I was up for casting first or if someone, you know, backed out or somebody didn't pass their psych test and then I got smuggled in. Mm -hmm. So that was that. And also the fact that I'm a 37 year old drag queen who knows what works on me. And at that time, Rue was wearing the same shit because, you know, she knew what, works on her. So it's a weird dynamic um, now when I look back at it and the show is completely different. Now girls are, you know, mortgaging their home to go on the show to have all these costumes made by these designers. That wasn't what we had then. It was different. You know, I've heard, I've heard some, you
0: know, like comments that like really four, five, six, those were the last season's, I was dirt poor when I went on. I was too. Everything I had was loaned to me. Of course. Or I like, I, I splurged. It was like I took out everything in savings after yeah. putting myself through college. What little I had. Yeah. But um, I think we were among the last seasons where you could go on dirt poor. Without a doubt. And, and um, you know, I, I got read constantly for my fashion, but that's not what I was there to showcase. Right. You know, I did enough for my fashion to stay in the show to stay in the
1: show. But I,
0: you know, I think it was really um, other things that I was bringing to the competition that got me to the end.
1: Without a doubt. And I think think that's when I say to people that it's a completely different show now. That's not a read. It's just, it's larger, it's different. Um, There's the expectation and the bar is somewhere else. I mean, I know a girl that was on season 13 that was $40,000 in debt you know, on this current season before it even starts. And I'm going, how would that work? Like how, what fuckery? You? Because you're not even going to be able to make that money back, especially during COVID. Nobody's traveling season after season. It's just like this car pile up that, mm-hmm. are you going to get that chance to do it? So that's when I have to go grateful that I had the opportunity that I had and the experience I had and the time that I've yeah. had since then. Because now it's what, seven or eight years since we did it. And and it is, you
0: know, it's I mean, drag is ever evolving like yes. every art form. So you can't like really you can dig your heels in the mud and and say I'm staying here and it'll leave you behind. But yeah. I think it's when you're someone already established in the business, it's finding like the right moments mm-hmm. to bring the trends into your work to like update certain things. Without a doubt. You know, cuz if you're not willing to do that, you it's know, you, yeah, you're lazy, yeah. you know, like kind of like what we were talking about with comedy. It's like if you're too scared of the challenge to like update and adapt your work to match what what you want to put out into the world to match what, you know, audiences expect from you, whether that means like completely reformatting your material or just like making tweaks here and there. Yeah. If you're not willing to do that, then you're a lazy artist. You know? <laughs>
1: doubt. Yeah, and you learn. I mean, when you're out there and you say a joke that doesn't land, I mean, every joke is not going to land, number one. And and if it doesn't, trust me, I, I don't remember what makes people laugh, I remember what they yeah. didn't laugh at. <laughs> and that will adjust, and you'll do it two or three nights, <laughs> and then you'll go, never again. <laughs> uh, so that you learn about yourself, and I think that's the process. So when people go, well, that's not even funny, or well, I don't, okay, but not every hairstylist makes a pretty hair, too. <laughs> Not every perm comes out successful. You know, it, it's it's what it is. But the, the people that already hate you, which is part of the game, the people that already hate you are going to find something to hate mm-hmm. you in. You know, it's either that or they're going to compare you. And the thing is that I don't care about either one of them or when they when they throw a success story or so and so doing this and so and so doing that. Like, for instance, music videos. That was one of my favorites recently is um, someone said, you know, well, music videos. And it's just amazing. Look, she's out there and she's got this album and she's got this. And I go, if music videos made money, I would have done 12. <laughs> like for me, it's a business. So I look at things a little differently, but I also have to tune out the noise and the garbage mm-hmm. and, you know, and realize that that's someone's opinion, you know?
0: I think a lot of what has made you as strong in this um, industry as you have been- Is liquor. Is, well, <laughs> I mean, it's no small contributor, but um <laughs> I always said, you know, um, I always said, well, yeah, Bianca, she might be the winner of all winners. She's old, she's had 60 years. <laughs> Let me to, have she's something. She's had 60 years to work at this. <laughs> You know, I mean, I had been doing drag for like um, 14 or 15 years by the time I was on Drag Race, but I was still, I was still 23. There
1: was still a lot of
0: life to like learn. You still have (laughs) a lot of
1: life. No, and I forget how young you are just because you always seem like an old soul. You always seem, no, in a good way. I consider like you're together. You're aware of what you're doing. You're aware of your drag. You're aware of the art that you're creating. And that's like the, the special that you did with Daylight. It's amazing that you guys. Put this together and did this on your own, on your own, meaning producing and putting it out there, putting your brand of comedy humor together. That's that's what this is. That's when I get excited when I see people thriving in it in some form that brings them joy. I'm happy to see that happen for other people, because to me, that's what drag is. If you can't get it, then you go create it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you make it happen. And as much as we talk about drag race in particular, that's a facet of my life. And I can't change it. It happened. It is what it is. But Jesus Christ, there's so much more mm-hmm. to the world. And and it was an amazing platform. But no, I don't have an opinion on the thirteen season 13 girls. No, I don't have any advice for the girl who's in the UK on this. I, I don't know. It, everybody has a different path.
0: Well, that's, I think, something that... Um speaks to our friendship that we've had. You and I do very, very different styles. Without of a comedy. doubt, yeah. And there's, you know, there's overlap in our sensibility, but not a lot of overlap in our content. No. But we have such a mutual respect for each other, and there's room for both types Without of a doubt. stuff, you know. Um, and I always find it very funny when the fans of Bianca Del Rio, or, like, the fans of Willem, who's mm-hmm. also, you know, I've known spoken. for... Yeah. Um, you Know she speaks her mind. Um, I see these fans of Bianca and Willem think that their way to win your approval is to tear down your sisters, uh, which is when so nothing silly. bores me more than yeah. watching, like, um, you know, someone on the internet try to read, yeah, a drag queen because it's like you want to poke that bear, really?
1: <laughs> literal, the literal bear. Uh, but the crazy thing I find is that. Anybody that I, I go after, for instance, Manila is a friend of mine. Okay. I make jo- Jiggly's a friend of mine. Like, they know me, I know them, and they're, Monet is another one. One of the few people, Bob, that you can still fucking cackle and joke with and say something ridiculous online, Lady Bunny, mm-hmm. who gets it, Coco Peru. It's like, it's not that serious, and they're friends of mine, and you don't know my connection to them or what it's about, so like, don't try to fucking read into something. Yeah, It's not that serious, and believe me, That's what drag queens used to fucking do. Drag queens constantly would rib on each other, say nasty comments, and that's the side of it that I miss, you know?
0: Well, I do, I mean, I do see people saying like, do we want to keep like reading each other and roasting each other? Is that the energy we want to put out in the world? And it's like, I can see why, like on paper, that seems like maybe not the direction we're moving in or want to move in, Specifically within the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. But then I also think I have felt my strongest Mm -hmm. after spending an hour being read for filth. Yes. On stage by people I trust to do that. Of course. And our friendships are strengthened by the fact that we are able. I think it's for me, one of the things I love about it is the things that we're making jokes about Mm -hmm. are the things that used to tear me down
1: completely and you're in control of it now
0: now i'm the one laughing of course and i am taking the power away from anyone who tries to use these things about me to try to get in my head and tear me down i'm like oh wait actually watch me laugh at it and watch you lose all your power of disrupting my without
1: life. a doubt and i think it, that's part of the game But it's also sense of humor and, and self-awareness there's nothing anyone can say about me that i don't already know yeah. you know so it's not like i'm gonna be like if someone said oh my god her nose is huge what
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, i mean i'm aware i see it i i have to say and i don't bring this up often because i don't want people to think i'm fishing for like no you look beautiful it's like hello i have gained weight i yeah. was on tv almost nine years ago the th- comments that Really kind of blown my mind is when they go, Am I correct or has Jinx? gained some weight. Or like, does Jinx know she's gained weight? Girl. It's my fucking body. <laughs> but How can I spend this yeah. much time with this body and not know that
1: it's yeah. larger <laughs> than it used to be? But no, but also you were a 20-year-old uh, on the show. I was
0: a fucking twink. Of course. And now I'm a mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, taking it back. No, it's it's also this this idea that the standard of what they think it should be is this, you yeah. know? And and uh, I've even had people say to me, you know, be um I just don't like what you've become and you've just become nasty. Newsflash, I was always nasty. Always Newsflash, nasty. I was consistently nasty. But
0: one of the first things you said to me was, um it Get was out the my night house? I won. <laughs> no, I said, yeah. The night I won, I've got the crown on my fucking head. I'm feeling <laughs> what did as I do? powerful as what I did can I do? be. And you said, James, come take a picture with me before your beard grows back. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, Here I am. I'm on the top of the world. And your way of connecting with me was to be like, don't forget.
1: <laughs> don't it's forget.
0: over. <laughs> don't forget what lies underneath that thin veneer well uh, not so thin it's a pile of yeah,
1: grease paint but how it, no that's funny and I, I i have that picture it's a picture of you and i and in an and, and a elevator, service elevator and a service, elevator, service at elevator at xl yeah that was that's why it was
0: i it was a um it was a wonderful crazy night i ended up um, uh, um meeting some broadway actor at the after party Ooh. and everyone was partying in my room you know, because I had just one, so everyone's partying in yeah. my room and I come back. I'm like, everyone, would you give us about, uh, what do you think, 45 <laughs>
1: minutes to take a quick shower? Clear us <laughs> out. He's going to help with my makeup. Yeah. And
0: it was like, I mean, it. nothing makes you feel more powerful than after you... Put the crown on your head and then yeah. take some big dick Broadway actor back See, to your That's room. talent. Now I wonder who it was.
1: It wasn't Harvey Firestein.
0: Was it? Was it? I saw him in your room. Alaska's called me the trade wizard for years. Really? <laughs> because she's like, I, I don't. She's like, Jinx will be like. <laughs> oh my goodness, I think I might have sex tonight. And then, ta-da. There it is.
1: (laughs) You're committed. You're committed, bitch. You do it. All I remember from that night, I mean, aside from, I took a picture with you, you were, uh, and, and we snapped that photo, but I also remember that night, Alaska was so drunk. There's a genius photo I need to send you. And it's all of us on stage. She's on the floor. You know, she's devastated that she didn't win. I think her mother is there at one point Mother's helping there. her. So there's her mother. There's her on the floor. There's Michelle Visage and me just standing there <laughs> staring at the ground like whatever. <laughs> and I, someone captioned it saying, Bianca, always there to help. <laughs> it's just me looking at her going, bitch.
0: That was a really, I've told this story before, but Alaska told me earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I lose, you need to know that I'm a sore loser, but it has nothing to do with you. It's just going to be my way of processing it. And she threw a little courtyard temper tantrum. And at the last moment before she stormed into her room and slammed her door, she looked me dead in the eyes and winked at me. Like, like, don't worry. It's not about you. Oh, that's good though. And, and, and that's why I say like, you know, we can be in real competition with each other and our industry. That's you're constantly in competition, whether you like it or not. and, and more than anything, you're in competition with yourself. You're like making sure that you're every year you're taking a step forward, and you're like, yeah. you know, you're improving what you're putting out into the world. Um, that's just a given. But that doesn't mean that the friendships aren't also real, you know? No, and
1: I think you and I have talked about it. When you see someone with some, you know, success or them going into another avenue, let's say, uh, you know, uh, a TV show or something, and you've done tons of, you know, guest spots on TV. When I see it, I my reaction is, good for her. Second mm-hmm. reaction is, How'd you get that? You yeah. know, I mean that's just that's real. That's real yeah. life, you know? Um, and I think that's important. I mean, that's it as an actor, as a singer, as I mean, I'm sure everybody goes through it, but you you find your path, you know, yeah. you find your path in your way. And I think as I've gotten older, I figured out this is what works for me, you know, and, and that's what I choose to do. I like touring, I like having a live audience that I like. Even um, if it weren't drag queens, I call it also gay jealousy. You oh know? yeah. Like
0: because being queer used to be something that held you back. Mm-hmm. So then when you see a new role created for a queer person mm-hmm. and then an, it goes to another queer person, yeah, and you're like, you're wait like, a minute. Oh, that could have been fun. You yeah. know, so it's hard not to be like, oh, I would have loved to have done that. But for me, how I've resolved those mm-hmm. feelings is that as long as it's going to one of the sisters, sure. if there's been a drag role created like with a drag queen in mind yeah. and it ends up going to a cis white pretty boy. That's different. I'm yeah. like, I'd rather see any of my sisters yeah. than another, you know, cis white pretty boy who doesn't really need to be the one filling those shoes. You know? like yeah. there are enough talented drag queens, drag queens who can handle any acting role sure. you want to hand them, any comedic role you want to hand them that we don't need to be going outside of the drag queen talent
1: pool to no. find
0: some person, put them in drag for a day, oh, and then girl. call them a drag queen. You know, putting them in
1: drag. <laughs> oh, I. You know what I'm always fascinated by is whenever you're seeing, you know, you're, in Hollywood it happens so often. It's like let's let's praise this actor who, for instance, when Chicago was going on, there was all this stuff about Renée Zellweger going. She learned how to sing. She learned how to dance. Fuck her. There's tons of people that know how to do this shit. We don't need to listen to her and. She, screeching a song. Oh, let's give her an award because she tried. It's like, <laughs> I don't get it. Then Catherine Zeta-Jones comes in from, from the West End, who is a singer, who's a tapper, and won an Oscar. And I'm like, thank you. That's yeah. what it should be. It's like, I, I, don't, I think that's where the self-awareness comes in. No one's going to hire me to be a Disney princess. I'm aware I'm the villain, but it's self-awareness, yeah. you know? And I think that when people think, well, I should have that. Why? Why should you have it? You know, yeah. it didn't happen and it didn't work out that way. You can't be bitter boots about it. You yeah. just have to go, what it is
0: yeah, a thick skin is is. yeah uh, I'm never gonna be the
1: ingenue points. no <laughs> are best, oh man. honey
0: I wanna know do you have a like a bright spot that whenever you like are sitting there counting your blessings and your and your dollars <laughs> Do you have a moment where you're like that? uh, You know, you talked about this with Agent. Not a moment where you feel like I've made it. I'm done. But a moment where you're like, God, I am so amazed that i got to do that
1: this past year thanks to covid and and being home and and it just kind of worked out for me because i was in london doing a musical and i was coming home uh and then i was i saw goal, you in that musical i was at musical
0: you were on that stage you
1: <laughs> i saw everything songs. from that seat you know you always do Ooh, no one does it like you because <laughs> it's not really a compliment um but I was doing that and I was coming home to get my tonsils out at 45, getting my tonsils out because I have a lot of vocal issues and getting a house. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so wildly, I, I the, obviously the, the can't the surgery was canceled, but then I got this house. So I've been home in my house, trying to set up my new life that I've always wanted. And it's been that reflective thing where you're kind of like, wow. You know, because usually my world was just on the go, which I love. So being in one place and having, you know, reliving stuff going, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. Because it had been a whirlwind since Drag Race, since we filmed in 2013. So it's really been forever for me that you've just been on the go because I like it that way. Um, So there's little moments that stick out. You know, I got to do Carnegie Hall, which is crazy pants, you know, mm. or, or to do Wembley Arena or to sit with Joan Rivers before she died. You yeah. know, like that to me is just wild. And I'm gr- so grateful for those things. And all of it wouldn't have happened without Drag Race, without yeah. a doubt. Um, so yeah, the, the those things, I sit back and go, wow, is anything exciting like that going to happen again? I mean, until I did this with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is now on my list. You've just been... Oh. I couldn't have lived Writing my life without having chomping at the bit. A
0: magical experience <laughs> with Jinx Monsoon. This impression is just hilarious. No, everybody loves
1: it. <laughs> everybody everybody loves tells it. me it sounds like you. And just, what's funny is I've never heard you say magical. I don't know where I got that from, but it's it's
0: just a it's magical like
1: situation. Alaska does me with a Wisconsin accent. Okay, well, I I can't But do it's that.
0: not wrong. I don't have a Wisconsin <laughs> accent, but that interpretation of me I think is brilliant.
1: Well, everybody impersonates me and goes, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't sound like that. It's like
0: how Michelle Visage becomes Joan Rivers when everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Um I want to know has there been a low moment? One moment that you're like, okay, either that you learned from
1: or that you're like never again. Oh god, um many many moments I think are a shit. Uh, there's this I mean, career-wise I think there's peaks and valleys, you know, mm-hmm. with all of that. Um uh, I, I don't live in a place of regret and I also try my hardest at this age to just address it for what it is then and go, here it is. Move Mm on. You know, you you can't, I can't live in that. And sometimes shit just fucking happens, you know, and you're just kind of trapped. So I don't think anything in particular sticks out, but I think if I didn't have those peaks and valleys, I wouldn't appreciate the peaks. You know, it's, if it's it's
0: all peaks. Yeah. You're
1: (laughs) kind of screwed. So I don't live in that world, but I mean, shit happened. Like I try not to get upset. You know, when things—if something's running late, or we miss a flight, or or a show gets canceled because of something, or the sound goes out—what do you? What the fuck are you gonna do? Now there's a moment of like, Ugh! but then after that, you're like, well, here it is. You know, this is what what I got to do.
0: And I think some of that comes from those those dive bar days. Oh
1: God, you know? yes, nothing Working worked. Under- any
0: circumstance, nothing worked. Doing everything a cappella, doing yeah. everything like no lights, <laughs> standing outside the club on a trash can, getting people to come
1: in, just to blowing people, to- <laughs> blowing people under the trash can, trying to get them to come in, trying to get them to come in your mouth. I mean, that's that, yeah, those were the, the moments. So, it, I try not to let it shake me, you know, and and I think we've talked about this with, with many queens from drag race, you know, we usually do a meet and greet situation, which we all dread a meet and greet because you're thinking, oh God, you're in these people's faces and you've had a shit day. They're going to smell me. They're going to smell me. They're gonna, smell me. They're gonna me. And you've got to be on and you've got to be aware of what's happening. And I have to confess is that two minutes into it, I really do forget my shit and my troubles because still in the end, this 200 people want to take a picture with me and want to talk to me. You can't help but be fucking happy, you know? So in those moments, I kind of wake up and go, girl, it could be much worse. Oh yeah. You know? I mean,
0: the worst day at work, yeah. Like, uh, uh, you know, like what would we be doing besides, you know, yeah. so we, we'd find other things to do, but like we'd be missing out on maybe what we were born to do. You Without know? a doubt.
1: Um, who's your celebrity crush? Oh, God. Like, let me think. Who do I love? I mean, as, as like I want to have sex yeah. with?
0: No. Yeah. Oh, let, oh, let's who? talk
1: about it. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that Superman guy. And I don't normally like uh, Henry, whatever his Henry name Powell. is. I can appreciate his 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 beauty. Um, Who's my crush? Well, I love Alan Cumming. He's just so adorable and lovely. He's got a husband, though. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know who...
0: I don't know who's yours. I'm curious. Oh, I change it every episode. <laughs> episode. So, like, who who gets you going? I can't think of... Oh, I mean, my go-tos are Andy Samberg. Oh, he's cute. Eric Andre. I, I For this episode, I will say Davide Diggs. Oh, okay. I am so into him. Okay, <laughs> wait,
1: do you need a minute?
0: Cause,
1: <laughs> take a second. Um, I think it... it yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like. I think I'm attracted to talent, but I do appreciate beauty. Yeah. So I can sit back and go, well, he's a beautiful motherfucker. But- I mean,
0: I have. I am an. I am a slut. I have a wide array of of interests. Mm-hmm. sexually
1: <laughs> oh okay <laughs> was
0: this question to lead in so you could tell me all of those no no no, no. I'm thinking that there's there's lots of ways there's lots of things to find beautiful about lots of different people I mean my my husband yes. is a, to me a very very attractive He's person adorable but I love our relationship because never have I had to pretend like there's not a lot of other fish other, in the sea other hot people out yeah. there we love talking about who we find hot together so
1: yeah. I, I would have oh i do know who i saw recently a friend of mine made me watch that show on netflix that period show is it a uh, bridgerton 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 the guy on there, oh, honey, like, be- like he could eat crackers in my bed. You know, <laughs> it's one of those. We have this saying. We used to say the only reason why I'd kick him out of bed is to fuck him on the floor. And I would say, <laughs> yes, I would take him. He's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's probably the latest. That's that's very
0: good to know about you. Know, you know, you are one person. You um, you're a big part of my life and I have no idea who you're attracted to. Oh,
1: isn't that good though? That's good. Well, because they're all dead at this point. Uh, Like somebody, I was, I was doing a Facebook uh, Instagram live the other day and I was saying, and someone chimed in, you slept with my ex-boyfriend, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, none of them have ever survived. This is completely made up. I don't know who you're talking about. So I made him, I said, you better text me who this is. And he texts them, some gay person I don't even remember, but some gay. Some some gay I mean, imagine the person <laughs> I slept with was gay. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. Usually they don't live to tell. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, that's a loaded statement. <laughs> um,
0: so many ways to interpret that. Load.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much for being my guest. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a delight to cackle with you. Um, I'll I'll end with my favorite. One of my favorite stories is because you and I. Oh. Uh, You know, I'm almost two years sober. You and I used to drink together. Yes. And my favorite part of the night is when Bianca would get set on a loop Mm -hmm. where it was like, Jinx, listen to this Betty Davis impression. What (laughs) horrible things have I done to to you? you. And then it's five minutes later. Jinx, 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 Jinx. Listen to this. What ah, and, and it just, every time I would think it was going to be something new. No, we're no, still doing an same quote. <laughs> you were a very good actress because you acted. it, so it was the first time oh, you heard it. I, oh yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna put you on the spot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, now we'll have to do sober nights. You know, well, actually now that we've moved on to heroin, it's just been
0: so much easier. <laughs> oh, you're terrible, Muriel. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for listening to
0: Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at The Jinx on Instagram or Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And that's spelt J-I-N-K-X. I paid extra for the K so you have to use it. Ask Bianca. K is very expensive these days. I'll see you next Wednesday for some more. Hi, Jinx.
1: Forever
0: Dog. To listen to Hi Jinx ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com/slash-plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Jinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett
1: Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.